This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Not A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to our sponsors. That's Cleveland Scene, the Honeymoon Grill, American Fireworks, and Cleveland Whiskey. And shout out to you guys for helping this thing grow. Andre, I know at some point um, you want to talk about your wife's event last weekend and all of that. Um, I want to make sure we talk some NBA, just some basketball in general, yeah. just a little bit. You know, I haven't watched a ton, sure. but, you know, I, I, I hate this, this lingering story. Um, but I think it has to be addressed, right? And as we sit here and record um, over the last, yeah. I don't know, 30 minutes, hour, probably not even 60 yeah. minutes, we have um, an allegation and then a denial. It apparently a quick denial, a quick denial. Now I'm saying that they, they, you know, we don't get the news as quickly as some other people. So maybe it's not as quick as it seems, but it seems pretty quick for us just to get the information. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Miles Garrett, apparently in his appeal hearing at the NFL offices said that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur. Uh, Mason Rudolph's attorney issued the quick denial. Uh, we don't know. We don't have the NFL films audio. Um, Are we ever going to hear that film? Are we ever going to hear that film? No, we're not. You and I, you and I, you and I, thank you. You and I both have worked. I still currently do somewhat for a team when it comes to audio and, and micing people up. You used to work in that room in Berea uh, where they edit stuff. Uh, I'm like, let me tell a quick story. And I got to be careful on how I tell this. I currently have a family friend that has worked in movie production, TV production, has lived in the big cities, and he's worked for NFL Network. Did I tell this story on the podcast this year? Because something happened this year. No. And and something happened here. Leonard, Leonard Fournette, or not Leonard Fournette, the, uh, Jamal uh, Ramsey. Remember Ramsey got into it with his coach? Yes. Earlier this year before he got traded? Yeah. I know someone that works for NFL Films that was there. That was, you know, that his job was to run the cameras and all that other stuff and to know that. And I've known this person almost my entire life. And basically behind the job they have, and I got to be very careful now I saw this, he won't say a peep to us or to me about what was said. And he knows exactly, and that's how I know it was bad. <laughs> like, it's part of the job. It's part of, the, you know how this works. Part of that job is, and I'm only saying this because, I never want to get him in trouble, first of all, because he does a great job and, he, and he's, he's going to be, he is a star. He's going to be a superstar. But that's kind of how it works when you're with NFL Network, when you're with TNT, um, MLB Network. I know for us, when we, we've talked about the, you and I, we've talked, what we have talked about on this podcast is when the Jets quarterback got caught. Remember when he, what did he say? We saw a ghost against New England. Yes, and at first you were like you were like you were like, well, that makes for great TV. That makes for great, and I'm like, yeah, but that makes for horrible situations within the clubhouse and locker room, and that makes the players say, I will no longer ever put a microphone on. Basically, what the Jets have done since that Monday night game, they basically told NFL Network, stay the fuck away from us. Excuse me about the language; is how we talk sometimes. Sorry, um, but basically the Jets have said, no, we're not putting mics on anymore because we don't trust you guys. And I told the story how Tito. He got screwed when he was in Boston with microphones. And even though I get along with him great, and even though he gets along with our cat, our group of guys great, he will not let us mic him up because he doesn't trust. It's not that he doesn't trust Don. Well, he may not trust me. I can't speak for him. He just said that, you know, no, it didn't get blown in his face when he was winning games in Boston. But even when he got ran out, a lot of the stuff that he had said 
to his other coaches or whatever else, all that crap started leaking out in Boston. Therefore, he has no trust towards the microphones ever again. I don't blame him. In this situation, Zach, does it help the NFL or hurt the NFL? So no matter what was said, whether Mason – because I don't want to talk about this anymore either, to be honest. Yeah. But the story is a story. Does it help the NFL – think about the NFL, people, when we have this conversation. And, look, I've tweeted at the NFL. I said this earlier in the week because I, I – somebody had told me that this was basically going to be what, what the storyline was going to be. Does the NFL gain anything, Zach, out of letting us hear what was said or what was said on the field Thursday night? I think given the seriousness of the allegation, I think they absolutely do because I think it's cut and dry. I think if, if Mason Rudolph did it, then Mason Rudolph's career is in jeopardy, right? If he, if he did what, we, what it was claimed, he's done. Because you have no you have no credibility in the in the in the in the, in, in the locker room anymore. Correct. Zero. But if Miles Garrett is lying, then mm. <laughs> I mean that's a hell of an well, allegation okay, right. to make, Dre. And I would You're, say this: absolutely. You know, everybody is picked aside in this thing, and it's just exhausting, yeah. exhausting yeah. whining about Mason Rudolph should be suspended before this allegation, right? But right. It, you have to ask why Miles did a full interview, why a week has passed. And why this just leaks out now? Well, PR people, <laughs> I got to be careful. PR people run our world, right? Well, listen, everybody's got to be careful, you know? And, and, right. And this so, is the world my, we live point, in. We, we talked in yeah, the last podcast point, about this, about immediately Josina Anderson tweets, I bet the N-word was used. Well, what's that based on? You're not on the field, right? And then no, immediately. But I don't know. No, but she talks to people that we don't talk to. Right, but I'm not but, taking her side. I'm not taking her side. Dre, I'm not. She taking tweeted her side. it during the game. She does talk to people that we don't talk to, but she tweeted it during the game. Not she's not talking yeah, to anyone during the game. Right, right. which was wrong. Yes. Okay, let, let me be honest. From a black guy's point of view, I would say, and I, <laughs> and our running joke, and nobody get mad about this because this is a real conversation. Amongst black people that I know, the first fifteen things that were texted me from from cousins, brothers, uncles, dads. He had to call him N word. That was just a real like, like that was just a, like because every well, there's that word and another word that and you and I won't even go into that. But that was what the initial reaction from most were that well, a guy doesn't spaz out like that unless you call out his mom, his sexuality, or call him N word. That was just the, and that's that's total. That's you know Monday morning quarterbacking. That's without being on the field. That's without. I mean, let's be honest to all of our listeners. And like you said, it's not about whose side you're on anymore or anything else. But most of the worst fights I've ever seen have been because someone – and you too. If you say something about – we know the rules to this. I just sat around with I – can't, I can't even say who I was just sitting around with a week ago. And we had the same conversation because we talked about a fight that's very famous in Cleveland between a mushmouth defensive lineman and a quarterback. And the rules were put on the table very simply. There's three things you don't touch in a, in a conversation amongst men. Sexuality, a person's mom or wife, or the N-word. That's – so I don't, I'm not – and trust me, I am not defending – I've never even met Josina, so I can't – I'm not – I didn't like that she put that out there. That was very careless to put out in the tweet. You don't do that. You don't inflame a situation unless you know exactly what was said or wasn't said. The comment I'll make back to you about why did it take a week for this conversation to get to this point, I'm going to take Miles' side. Maybe he's trying to be an adult. Maybe he was advised right away that they don't want to play this out in the media, that this is something that they should go to the NFL about. 
right? Like if you're if if, if I'm your law, if I'm Zach's lawyer, or if you're no, it's, you're my lawyer. That's how America wants it to look anyway, right? <laughs> As a PR person, and I've actually texted and talked to PR people this week since this happened. If you're my PR guy, and I tell you, Zach, he called me the N word, I lost it. Would you say we're going to play this out in public, and you should go right on TV and post game and say it? Because I'm sure when Miles got kicked out of the game, I'm sure he had a million texts and tweets, and he probably texted with his parents, and he probably texted with his lawyer, and he probably like right. That's the people you talk to right when a game's over, right? I watch guys do this every night, and, and I watch them. They text with their agents, they text with their players, they text with a couple of their girlfriends, and then they text with mom and dad. Do you think it's possible he was advised, hey, we're not going to play this out, you know, on the back and forth this way. We're just going to go right to the commissioner and talk to him about it? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can <laughs> understand why strategically Miles wouldn't. This goes why Miles wouldn't say it, come out and say it, right? So that, that that goes to the original question of I think the NFL absolutely has to release every bit of audio that it has because there has to be an answer here, right? Because it's, yeah. Either, yeah. it's either a true allegation that Rudolph is going to have to pay the price for, probably by suspension, but definitely in his own locker room and with his own career, or it's a false right. allegation and it, it needs to be squelched right away before it takes a toll on the man's career. Right. Right, and that's the that's the um, look. I, I would think Mason Rudolph would be. I, I wasn't there, so I can't. I just think that in the heat of the battle and the heat of the moment, if that were to creep out, if that word were to creep out, then Mason Rudolph's got big problems. I oh, can see no being pissed off. There's... I can see being pissed off. I can see being hurt. I can see, and, and, and I get it. And we and we don't have to go back to this. We know he got the crap beat out of him in the fourth quarter. And to be completely honest, this is what pissed me off about there about what Mike Tomlin and what Mason Rudolph said yesterday. And I wish the hell they would have took it. And, and this is the other thing. This game, we're getting so phony with these press conferences. NFL, like, like, stop. Like, it, they're building something up that's making it impossible for these players to be real people. And sometimes, as a real person, you just got to answer real questions. The whole "I already got a statement. I already spoke upon it." Then just don't fucking talk. I'd rather read Zach's article with no quotes from a player if I'm just going to get the bullshit that they the minutia that they put together to say that they 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 did their job that they were supposed to do because the NFL says you have to work every week. Like if you're going to sit don't ever I don't ever want an NFL coach or a quarterback to come out to me and say, "Well, we you know, we you got to play to the to the to the whistle or you got to play until the last minute." Zach, they keep going yesterday. Well, he hit me when the game was already over. So why are you passing? Why did you pass on first down and second down and third down if the play didn't matter? If it doesn't matter, then hand the ball off three times or take a knee and get off the field. I'm sick of it. You can't have it both ways. You can't, if you're playing football and you snap the football and you throw the ball or you do this, what is the defense's job to do? Are they supposed to go, oh, we're, we're up 14, but the game's over. If they did that, we would all sit there and we would vilify the defense. Like Mason Rudolph is going well to play that, you know, the, the game was basically over, so he wasn't supposed to play anymore. Like, you can't have it both ways. I'm so sick. I'm, I'm so bothered sometimes where I – like, they just take – and they do what everybody does when it comes to PR, whether it's, whether it's in politics, whether it's in local politics, whether it's in coaching. You just take the easy road. You just say whatever you want, and then you don't answer any questions. Must be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, – yeah. But, Zach, if those plays didn't matter, why are they throwing passes? 
If no, they knew the game was already over, Dre, why are they doing that? It, it's patently obvious that both coaches deserve blame for letting it get to that point. The game was yeah. way over, right? Mason Rudolph all night against the pass rush had no chance. He threw the interception right. that, that led to the, the – the game was way over, right? And both teams were ready to play accordingly. And you're right. If they just hand the ball off, everybody goes home and none of this happens, right? It, right. Especially because right. it was, what, third and a, a million – it was yeah. They got sacked on back-to-back plays on first and second down. Who in their right mind would let their quarterback stand up there again when the game is over? Why in the hell would they run that screenplay anyway? Like that was like and, and look, I'm not saying that saying well it's Mike Tomlin's fault. No, because as adults we all have to we all have to take care of things and do the right thing no matter what everyone else is doing. I'm not teaching the lesson of well they call stupid plays so they get what they deserve. No, but if they're going to sit there and they're acting like their hands are clean, that's bullshit. That's complete bullshit to sit there as a team, both of them, Mike Tomlin and Mason Rudolph, to say, well, it was the end of the game. The game was over. I don't know why you hit me. Because you dropped back the pass. That's how the game works. That's true. Um, unfortunately, that's not the issue here. And, and I think that no. the NFL is – you know, assuming there is audio from, from there, we don't know that there is, right? No. Um, no, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mics. On a Thursday night, you and I both know um, whether Mason – Rudolph was, was mic'd, and I think he probably was. Um, I don't know if Garrett was mic'd up, but you know, Zach, you know very well. Most of our people are listening. On a Thursday night game between NFL films, between the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, .com and ClevelandBrowns.com, um, there are a lot of – there was that camera that was right above them. Yeah. They, they had that roving camera for Thursday night. Um, you and I both know that – I'm not saying that they have – and look, they may not even have the audio, and there's so many grunts and everything else going on that you may not even hear it all the way. All I'm saying is, someone in New Jersey, New York, with NFL Films has something that they can listen to. No, you're right. I don't think we'll. Ever, yeah, I don't I, think we'll ever hear it though. Right. Well, I mean, in the meantime, only three people would know. That'd be Mason Rudolph, Miles right. Garrett, and David DeCastro, who basically right. had Miles by the neck and would have, was right in the middle of it before everybody else got involved. Right, and that's without right. having the. That's without having the film in front of me. Um, I would just say this because we need to move along. And, and, you know, hell, maybe there'll be something else by the time we even get done recording this. <laughs> I don't know. Probably will. But, again, this is bad for the Browns because they need to move on. They need to win a football game. And they should win a football sure. game, even depleted, even not at their best against the Miami Dolphins. We all know that. But the story of the Browns remains. It's always something that's not football. And here it is again. They're well into their preparation, right? Mm-hmm. We're seven days removed from a story. Um, that had more shelf life because of the circumstances, but you know, just just because. And now, now here it is again. It's no one's talking about football, and you know, it's it's always something with this team that probably again is going to end up one game short of reaching its goals because it couldn't get its shit together early in the season because it's always something. Yeah, about not football. <laughs> Yeah, and you're right. And they need to move past this, and this needs to go away. Um, so this is interesting. I, one, one last thing, I, I want to read this from the from the story um, about the hearing. Garrett made the allegation as part of his initial comments during the appeal hearing in New York. Sources said it created an argumentative exchange between both sides about whether the allegation was permissible to be used in the appeal at that time. And so that that doesn't mm-mm. you know give us mm-mm. any insight because because none of us were there either last thursday right. or or wednesday morning in the hearing but it frames it as as a strategic piece and then you're left to wonder you know 
is it true or was it sat on for some reason? What was this the reason that he was not allowed to do the interview with Jay Glazer? Was this the reason that the Browns ah, said nothing else? That's you know, a possibility. It's a possibility. But, but you, you know, we don't know. I don't. We don't know. And I don't like you said. I don't want to go back and forth upon it because as a and I don't hate to do this, but this is what my life comes down to. I'm a parent. Like, first and foremost, before I podcast and do TV or this or that, as a parent and no longer just being Andre, you know, not the little jackass kid that grew up in Akron, um, I gotta, I'm got i going to be honest about something, and some people won't like it. I would probably say until I was about until I was through college at 22, 23, heck, probably even at 25 years old, I would say that, if you know, in my mind, if somebody called me the N-word, I had every right to knock their fucking head off. I can tell you at 41, almost 42, I, and then, like I said, I'm a parent. I have had to teach myself because now I'm a parent and it's bigger than me, um, that you can't allow someone to say any word and it makes you react in any sort of way because you have to have self-control. And one of the hardest things as a parent and one of the hardest things is I think just growing as an adult is and, and it's hard right now as a parent. I'm going to be completely honest. Parent, parenting is not easy. But there's a lot of rules of how I live life and what I thought was okay that are real different because I don't want my kids reacting. Is that like I don't want my I don't want my son to come to me in 10 years or 15 years and it's possible. I don't want him coming to me and say, "Well, I hit this kid because he called me a word." Because what I'm trying to teach my kids and I know it's not easy is you can't react to people's words. You can't react every one time somebody doesn't like you. You can't react every time someone says something disrespectful towards you. Otherwise, you're going to end up in fights and wars, and if you can't win every war. And really, that says more about the person. And I hate, and I don't want to do this here, but I'm just being honest. As a kid growing up, when you first met me, Zach, if someone would have called me that, I would have, I would have took a helmet over the top of their head. And as I've grown and realized that even if I do that, and even if I have every right to do that because of the disrespect am i really taking the steps forward like we laugh about all these these popeye popeye chickens <laughs> sandwich fights that have gone viral and people losing their mind over a goddamn chicken sandwich that is pretty damn good i will say it's it's the bomb uh one of the beauties of living in wadsworth ohio as i do and being one of the black people i live about 10 <laughs> minutes away from a truck stop popeyes and lodi and i'm gonna tell you all the secret of secrets I went to the little Lodi, a little truck stop, Popeye's, walked right in, no line, got me three sandwiches and walked right back out. And it was beautiful. And I thought to myself, man, man it must be nice to go to a Popeye's that's not in the hood because there's not many of them. And I'm joking here because I'm trying to keep things light. But this is a teaching lesson, that, And I know you're not a parent, but I think all the parents out there, this is a teaching lesson. And this isn't the lesson of the jackasses that want to wear free Miles T-shirts and want to collect money for miles. It's like, you idiot, get the hell out of my way. Don't ever email me that bullshit. I am on Miles Garrett's side, but also, just like with my children, if you make a bad decision, you have to pay the repercussions that come along with it. No matter what provoked you, no matter what was said, no matter how it was said, no matter who said it, we have to, we have to take, we have to take, no matter what, Zach, you can call me every name in the book. That doesn't allow me or make it okay for me to hurt you or try to maim you. And I think that's a hard thing in our society right now for people to take in. And that scares me a little bit because, like I said, as a parent, I have to tell my daughter and son, no matter what is said to you, 
you have to be the bigger person and walk away because from afar, no one's going to know the difference of who the idiot is. Well, like I said in the last podcast, I only call people really bad names when they cut me off on the highway. Other than that, I'm cool with everybody. <laughs> every day. Every day. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, you're, I mean, because initially when I heard, oh, he called him the N-word, I was like, yeah, I'd kick his. And then it's like, then you think about it, and it's like, okay. But at some point, you got to be an adult, right? Yeah, well, look, this is what makes this the most 2019 story ever, and I started to get into this. When Mason Rudolph became the Browns or the Steelers starter, Twitter did what Twitter does, and Twitter dug up that he's a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which is absolutely yep. his right, right? And so no all of a sudden, because there's a picture of him in a red hat or there's some tweets that he liked, and again, this is why we, we tell the athletes <laughs> certain things, but there's right. a stigma attached with that. Fair enough, it's what it is, right? You wear the red hat, right. you're against brown people. That's what's out there. Correct. So right, that's the that's yes. the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. No. So I'm not. I'm not saying that. You're not saying that. That's what has been chosen by the red hat wearing people, and that's what's been chosen in America. Right. So all of a sudden, right. it immediately went to that. And as we sit here, Dre, and I look at the one computer to make sure I press the right buttons to record, and I look at the other one and see my tweet deck. All I, I see people filling the timeline. Well, of course he did it because of this. And it's completely right. unfair, no matter what hat you wear or who you vote for, right? Right. But that's not that's not. But see, that's the thing I want to get at. And you're saying it. If he did say it, that gives you no right to kill somebody or to hit somebody over the head with a yes. helmet. Correct. You have to have self control. We have to stop as people having an excuse or reason why it's okay to be violent. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm 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 old, and I'm sick of hearing the bullshit that I read and see on Twitter. You're right. If I see a guy with the red hat on, it does instantly put me in a certain mood. I saw a guy in a mall three three years ago wearing a hat, older gentleman, and my kids were running, and we were at Summit Mall, a mall I grew up in, Zach, and instantly I grabbed both of my kids' hands and I put them on the other side. And my wife looked at me and goes, why'd you do that? And I go, because look at that dude. <laughs> like, I go, but that was childish, but I wasn't going to say something to the guy. I wasn't going to, like, be rude to him. That was my reaction because my instant reaction was, Oh, shit. This is one of those guys that can't stand people that look like me. Is it unfortunate that that was the first thing that went through my mind? Yeah. But it's more unfortunate that I worry about what's going to be said to my kids and what's going to be done in front of my kids by someone like that. And the guy didn't do anything. He stared me down. And then three minutes later, he came over as my kids were playing. He goes, hey, I really like you on TV broadcast. And then that made my head, like, spin out of control. You know, like, because I went from, like, protecting, not hating, not liking this person to, thank you very much, sir. Have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the podcast, Support American Fireworks. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. <laughs> bang, bang, Well, see, that's bang. the thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I said, <laughs> well, that, well, that's what I'm trying to say is, like, that's 2019. We, we can't just have. Miles Garrett does this. The Browns and Steelers do this. Everybody pays their fine, and we go on. Like, you know, right. there's a football game next week that's probably assuming the Browns handle business on Sunday is an elimination game for both teams, right? And neither right. team's going to win right. the Super Bowl, right? And the Steelers fans they've no. already resigned themselves to where they can't win the Super Bowl, so it's a disappointing year for them. Browns fans have got all the scenarios out where this eight percent chance to make the playoffs come true, and that's fine considering how things have started. 
But it, all of this excuse-making and playing the victim and finger-pointing and all of this. Um, look, Miles Garrett saying that in the appeal makes furthers the story. Mason Rudolph has said his part. So until slash unless NFL Films comes out with the audio and clears this up, and as we've said, A, that's the only way to do it, and B, we both expect that there's about a 1% chance that happens. <laughs> right. 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 So right. until right. then, it just becomes really – a further black mark on both franchises, and yep, no pun intended. No, yeah, but you're right. no, no, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. And and it's going to be it's going to be unfortunately like a lot of other things in our world. It's going to be he said she said or he said he said. You know, what I mean, like how many different things do we have of that situation? And I want to be the bigger adult, um, and that's tough between both of us. Uh, I can make a midget joke, but I don't want to piece anybody off with that. Um, I'm going to talk football and move on from it because I think you and I. I think if you know Zach, if you know the A to Z podcast, I think you know where we stand. We know what 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 Miles did was you can't hit people over the head with a helmet. Um, at the end of the day, no matter what Mason Rudolph said, did and Mason Rudolph to me deserves to be suspended. I didn't like his actions. I don't know what his words were, so I can't I can't I can't validate or talk about that. I will say this, and you may disagree with me, and I'm going to do TV tonight, and I know I'm going to say this on television. I shudder every time I hear someone say this week's game will be a layup. I heard someone on 92-3, no names please, say six times in a five-minute five period of time, this game's a layup. That obviously shows how the lack of education of NFL football this person has. Number one, you're still the Cleveland Browns, and you haven't shown consist, enough consistency on the field or off the field for anything to be a layup. It's not a layup. Everybody's going to show up on time for the fucking plane on Saturday. Or, or they don't even got to, or to get to the hotel on time on Saturday. That's not a layup for the Cleveland Browns currently. Not putting them down, just the truth. It's also NFL football, and we've heard the corny saying, but the corny saying is real. On any given Sunday, anything can happen. Now I'm saying that the Dolphins have no. They're running. They're the running back that was starting, beat hitting girls allegedly, and then got cut. And he's been all over the place. They don't. Kenyon Drake is in Arizona. Uh, they've cut. They they look like they're in shambles. They give up on Mika Fitzpatrick. But in watching two of their last three games, two of their last three weeks, they have played hard. They, they've gone out and played. Their two Ohio State linebackers are playing really well. And if you go out there and you fumble and kick the ball all over the place and get penalties, you can lose to the Miami Dolphins and your season is, is over. Stop as broadcasters and as fans saying this is a layup. They should kick the tar out of them. But I'm not going to sit here. Put it this way. If you think it's a layup, give me 20 points and, I, and let's, put let's put 500 on it. It's not going to be a layup. It's a football game. Now, they should kick the crap out of them, but I worry about the defensive lines, Zach. They're lucky the game's in Cleveland and not in Miami. Could you imagine if it was 80 degrees and you only got five defensive linemen? (laughs) What could come out of this? Um, I'm worried about the secondary with the safeties over the middle of the field. Uh, And offensively, they should be all right, but they still have been – this is a game that – a good – here, I'll say this and I'll leave it. A good NFL team – that's mature and has their wits about them would go out and bury this team early and make the game boring in the second half. They would choke them out basically and it would be over. But I can't say that about the 2019 Cleveland Browns. Well, life lessons for me to see anything can happen on any given Sunday. Two things in this world are undefeated and Hulu has live sports. Anyway, let's um, talk a little <laughs> basketball. <laughs> But you hear it too. I keep hearing everybody go, "This is easy. This is no easy win. They can't wait to get a, 
man, relax. Let it should be. I just don't. I I'm, I'm I've been hurt too many times believing something's gonna be easy for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this this. I mean, come on, you know it's the truth. You're no, telling no, me, listen, you're telling right, me, especially given just the overall exhaustion level with this season, right? Right, like, right. Say they make a run. At it. Do you think they're going to win the next six games by 14-plus? No, there's probably going to be an overtime thriller, right? Yep. There's probably going to be some yeah. pass that gets batted three times into the wrong guy's hand and yeah. taken away, then run in 60 yards right. for a touchdown. A, right? bad, a bad penalty, a bad penalty that doesn't turn the ball over, something to reference. Like, you're going you're gonna to have to go through so many ups and downs. Cedar Point will want their money back because they would say they don't have a ride that thrilling to get where, they, where everybody thinks they're going to get. I would just say strap it up, people, because there's no telling. And you're telling me Baker's not coming home? And I'm not talking about the quarterback, Mr. Hulu himself. You're telling me Baker, the linebacker, doesn't want to come home and make and open some eyes and show people what he did at Benedictine and what he's done everywhere else in his career? You're telling me, you, you telling me he can't come up with one big hit and pop a ball up in the air and get a fumble since and they return it? Since we're talking football, though, I, I want to say this since, as we transition into a little actual football talk. Um, Kareem Hunt's really good and gives this offense a different dimension. You know, yes, I, don't, I think we've probably brushed across that, but I was just back watching some of the plays uh, a couple of Dude, hours he's, ago he's this morning. Maker. And I mean, because he's a difference maker. Yeah. <laughs> Cause not only can he get out in the route and know where he's going, but you don't have to throw it perfectly. And it doesn't yep. have to be those three routes that every running back runs. Right. right. He can run all of them. He can run the whole he route. He just three. has such a feel for where he can get and then what he can do when he does catch it. So, yes. And, and, and here's the other thing. And you said this about Duke Johnson, but this is times 10. He doesn't go down with the first guy that gets Correct. to him. Whether he shakes him, whether he, well, he bounces off of them, he breaks tackles at a rate that's unbelievable. Now, people were laughing at me two weeks ago when I said you're going to have two top five running backs on your team on the field at the same time. Um, I still believe that, and I believe it even more now. And I know that Hunt doesn't look like, you know, name the name, you know, whoever back that you love. And it's fine. We can all have our choices. Hunt may not come out of the tunnel and look like Adrian Peterson. I know he's not top five anymore. But what he does and what Zach just said, his versatility is unmatched. There's not there's not five guys in the NFL with the talent that Kareem Hunt has. And we already know the other guy is on his way. Not The other guy's averaging over 100 yards a game, people. We're at 10 games. He's already at 1,000. He's got a chance for 16, 17, 1,800 yards. When's the last time a Browns running back has done that? Never. <laughs> like you're about you're watching like they have something special on the backfield Zach something very very special well, listen, and I don't even want to talk the but, only person in Cleveland who has a problem with them being a power run short pass offense seems to be Freddie Kitchens right maybe Odell right, Beckham right, you know right, like <laughs> right <laughs> we know where Jarvis Landry is best right we yeah, know this yeah. offense is best when he moves around and he gets a misdirection going when, when Chubb drives through people and now you've seen Kareem Hunt really bail them out for two straight games by catching six-yard passes, whether he goes down immediately or turns them into 16-yard passes. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing. No. Hey, that's how you win. Fo- that's how you win football games. You use yes. it, and that you just said you just said something great. Freddie got to look in the mirror and realize, hey man, we'll get we'll get this passing game going in 2020. If I'm gonna keep, and I don't even want to talk about his job. If I want to win football games, I'm gonna give it to the two guys it's easiest to give to. He's going to give it to the two running backs, especially in a game like this week. That's, you know, like, don't overdo it. Use those two kids. Wear them out. Wear those two kids out. 
and say, Odell, we will get to you in due time, young man. You wait. Yeah. And, and I, I'll say this. Now, is, if I you would get not, those guys not, going, it should open some things up, it, you know, yeah. because the secondary is young and it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Um, it's and, bad. And you need the confidence because let's be honest, uh, you know, they've scored off the bye week. I think they've scored 13 19, 19, 21, and that's not good enough. We all know that. Now, they've won two of those games, right. and that that's what counts. You get some confidence this week. You work on some things, and hopefully you win the game. Whether you win by one or win by 30, that doesn't matter. But then next week, it's like a totally different mindset. It's like just get to 16 or 17, and you and you probably win that game, right? So, right, right. Uh, but you're right. If you just have to buckle up and say, okay, here we are, and these two backs and – very few passes that travel over six yards are going to get thrown. Hmm. We'll see. Hey, it works for my man out in Manchester. Everybody thought they were barely going to go 500 this year. How about the John Tellers podcast where he's talking to Tiger oh, Liberty and Tiger says, like, we watched 125 plays of them and they ran on 112. I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Shout out to John Tellers, man. He is the man. And this podcast gives such great insight and stuff like that. And Tiger Liberty has a, a monster out there. You know, we talk about the big schools in high school, um, but what they have done and what Tiger has done as a person and as a coach has been awesome. Um, and shout out to my favorite public school running back. I uh, couldn't be more proud. And shout out to the guys at Fox. They did, I was in the studios and they did not let me know that he was the winner because they knew he was my guy. Um, I'm really proud of him. I'm, just, I'm proud of what Manchester has done. I'm proud of what high school football is around here. We got a great weekend of football. Uh, coming up, and unfortunately, we're going back and forth about something happened Thursday night that should never happen again. Like this would be the best time of the year when it comes to football. You got Penn State, Ohio State, noon on Saturday. You got one of the biggest high school football games of all time Friday night. We got rumors going around about that. I got a message. I got as we're doing this podcast, Zach. I have three messages on my on my line that I've been told to please listen to before I say anything else about that that football game. <laughs> If one of those redshirted eighth graders and kids living under fake addresses don't warm your heart, then maybe Maslin Hoven's not for you. <laughs> I mean, literally, Zach, I've got messages about a high school football game. I'm like, please don't bring this. I'm like, what is going? What is our world coming to? <laughs> I got a buddy yesterday. This tells you about the degenerates of degenerates. I had a buddy yesterday saying, hey, man, we're at the bar trying to get the lines together for the high school games this week. And naming off the people that we all know that were there helping put the lines together. And I go, can you guys keep this off my phone? I don't want the FBI to realize I'm a part of this. Because I'm not. I go, but text me one over once you get them figured out. This is our life, America. Welcome to it. I just want to Um, say, as we play a little American Fireworks Glory Days here, 15, no, more like 17, 18 years ago now when I worked at the Browns, I had a friend. He was a PR intern. And he was raised about 30 minutes outside of Knoxville. His parents had both gone to Tennessee. He had gone to Tennessee, and he had worked in Tennessee's athletic department during his time there. And so he had been raised on the SEC. So he had been to season tickets in Knoxville for nearly his whole life, had been to Georgia, had been to Florida, had been to Alabama. And I took him to Maslin versus St. Ignatius at the Rubber Bowl. And, again, I don't have the exact years, but I believe it was Anthony Gonzalez versus Justin Zwick. And Mm. the stuff he saw outside the stadium, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. And this is a kid that had been born and raised on SEC football. (laughs) 
wow. every time wow. I talk to him, which is about once a year. Because that was also I also took him to one of LeBron's high school games. So about once a year we catch up on something or other, usually just via text or Christmas card or whatever old people do. And he always brings up <laughs> those two things. LeBron dunking on this kid so hard and kicking him in the face. Shout out, Oranger. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I almost said something too. I was like, bite your tongue, Dre. <laughs> and and the, the RVs and the circus and the everything out, outside the, the old rubber bowl before that game, he was like, I just have never seen anything like it. So that's a, that's our American Fireworks glory days, unless you got something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I will. Um, and then we'll get to, uh, first of all, uh, the Rec and Connect Foundation event last Saturday night. Uh, at the Barley House in Cleveland was extraordinary. Um, most people ever showed up, most money ever raised. Can't say thank you enough to all the volunteers. Um, uh, it's just amazing. The one cool thing about Northeast Ohio, uh, and I will brag about this, I haven't lived anywhere else. Uh, I'm a Rizzo this right now. I could have lived anywhere. I've had opportunities to go all over around the world to do this job. Um, but you not know, being serious. It's just really cool for all the things that people want to say about Northeast Ohio. Um, and I'm not LeBron in it and putting Akron against Cleveland or Cleveland against Akron. All of us um, is the willingness to give, even if you don't have a lot. I think that's a beautiful thing about who we are. And when people know that you have your hearts in the right place and you want to do right by people, um, it's been extraordinary just to see the people that are willing to give things that can be auctioned off the willingness for people to buy things, uh, the willingness for people to give up a Saturday night. Um, thank God the Barley House has been really cool and 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 just basically laying down and saying do whatever you need. Um, but we're getting to the point where we may need a bigger building. Uh, it's cool to see the same faces that show up. It's cool to see the new faces that show up. It's cool. Shout out to Ian Wright. I have to say his name. He lives in Chicago for three years in a row now, Zach. He has bought tickets to the event and given them away because he lives in Chicago, can't come. But it's just his way, and I'm shouting him out. There's like 40 other people, 50 other, 60 other people I could shout out, but I wanted to shout him out because he listens to the podcast. He's a big baseball fan, lives in Chicago, doesn't know, never has met me personally. But every year when he hears about this event, he reaches out to us and spends $100 to make sure that two people can go for free that couldn't afford it. And that just talks about just who we are as people, and I'm not saying me. Um, I'm just saying who we are as people from Northeast Ohio that just we care. And this is huge because you know what I'm doing on Saturday? Um, Recti Connect's having a swim meet for special needs kids. And I got to tell you, I got I, the hair just raised my arms saying it. Uh, I can remember the first one. I see the parents that show up and they cry because they say, I never thought my child, because of his special needs, would ever be on a team, would ever have kids cheering for him, that we would ever get to come to a game. Um, their sisters and brothers, my kids do signs. It, and it's, Forget all this NFL junk and all this other stuff. That's what this really is about, is seeing every child have the chance to make their parents cry, laugh, smile, high five. And a lot of these parents don't get that opportunity all the time. So thank you, guys. Um, there's pictures all over. It is a great time. It is a great party. Um, but it's for a great cause. And it's for um, it takes a lot of great people to make it work. And I'm blown away by what my wife has helped establish. And I know that we've got much more on the way and the cool thing is as people see this grow we get more and more people that come up with ideas and different things um that they want to help do so um just keep listening we got more stuff to come and more money to raise and more kids to help and i and it's just the, the coolest thing ever to be a part of it and watch 
we do good deeds, and if you pay us, we do gooder deeds. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you, he, he ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing we do every week on this podcast, in addition to playing American Fireworks Glory Days, um, and we will next week, we're, we're going to tailgate at Maslin Hoban tomorrow, and we will have a full report on, on the things we see. Um, so we'll get yeah. into that later. Um, we play uh, Cleveland Whiskey is the sponsor of our Obscure Browns Player of the Week segment, where we reach back in our in the archives, and yeah, we use Pro Football Reference or the Team Media Guide to make sure we had the details right. But we reach back in our aging brains and we talk about this. Um, Cleveland. Do you think it would be funnier if people? You think it'd be funnier if people heard us before the podcast yes. break down who we should try? It's Cleveland Whiskey's time of year. Not only is the Christmas bourbon out but they want to be your whiskey for Thanksgiving, for your Ohio State Michigan parties, for your remaining tailgate parties, uh, for your holiday gift giving. Um, stuck to st- uh, stock stuff, excuse me, easy for me to say, <laughs> the stockings with my book and with Cleveland Whiskey. Um, 14 years ago this week, on November 20th, Ooh. 2005, the Cleveland Browns at 3-6 and six hosted the 3-6 and six Miami Dolphins. And on the first drive of the game, a young man named Ruben Drones took off on a 75-yard touchdown run. The Browns went on to win the game 22 to nothing. Phil Dawson kicked three field goals. Terrell Smith caught a six-yard pass yes. from Trent Dilfer. Yes. The Browns pitched a shutout in the game. Ruben Drones went on to carry 30 times for 166 yards. And that touchdown, I believe at the time, that was the biggest running game by a running back yes. for the new franchise. And so what year 14 years later, exactly, Ruben Drones is our Cleveland Whiskey Obscure Browns Player of the Week. Ruben Drones is one of my favorite players since the Browns returned in 99. 14 years ago, for you young fans or you guys that are new to this, I know all of you aren't. Do you know that was the first thousand yard rusher the Browns had had since like the mid eighties? I may be off. I may be wrong. Yeah. But you can check the book. You can check the numbers. So Ruben had come over from Denver. And at the time, the Denver Broncos were spitting out running thousand yard running backs left and right. A lot of them undrafted. If you remember correctly, Zach, I know you remember. They were just like, cause they had that Shanahan blocking scheme, the zone blocking scheme that's still working in 2019. And Ruben was, who was Ruben traded over for? Was Ruben part of the, doesn't matter. Ruben comes in, and they got Trent Dilfer in the offseason. And, you know, there was this expectations for Ruben of kind of like, well, he was a, you know, a special teams guy. And because I can't – Thomas – or what was it? Davis. Davis that played for Denver. I can't think of it from Georgia. Was, uh, that ended up being – he's a Hall of Famer. That ran the ball for Denver so well, but got hurt a lot. But a lot of people wanted to compare him and say, well, can he be like Davis, basically? Um, and getting to know Ruben, he was down to earth. He was married to a model named Kelly. And Ruben, but she stayed in Denver and never moved here to Cleveland with them. But she would come on the weekends. And I'm not going to tell all the stories you went off of that. But here's the best story I'll give you for that year. So Ruben gets off to a, a good start of the year. That game you just talked about. And he wanted to give back. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to give back to the community. He loved Cleveland. And I think he got a vibe after being in Denver. If you're the running back and you're in a good city and you can put up some good numbers, you give back to the city and that'll get me a big contract back. And, and look. That's how players think. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, I, it was perfectly fine because Ruben was a, gr- a great gentleman, right? A fun friend. So he didn't know a lot of people, and we lived near each other in his time with the Browns. So one night, I had a roommate. We had a condo downtown Cleveland. Uh, Monday nights were a night to go out because Tuesday's an off day in Cleveland. 
And Ruben couldn't find anybody to go out with. So I get a text, random call, and I, I wish I had my old phone from 14 years ago. Because I never get being my, being my roommate at the time. We're sitting around, we're sitting around playing video games like like two college kids, um, you know, drinking beer, waiting for my football to come on. And Ruben calls and goes, "Hey, we, you know, I ain't got nothing going on. Come, come meet me out. Let's do, let's go out. Let's do something." And I'm like, "Okay." Well, he had a handler as well who were nameless, <laughs> and the handler. <laughs> Every sea level running back has their own handler, right? <laughs> yes. And the handler, oh my God, this dude. Um, I, I almost cringe as I tell this story because I'm sure one of these two is still listening. <laughs> he texts me and he goes, dude, I got this huge surprise for Ruben. You got to help me unveil it. You got to bring it out there. But we got a sign for Ruben that we're putting up downtown Cleveland. And we're going to put it on the side of the, of the building. And we just want people to know about it and see about it. And he goes, but Ruben doesn't know anything about it. He goes, so we're, going, we're getting it put up now. So you meet us at Liquid. Meet him at Liquid, and then once we're at Liquid for a little while, before it gets too dark, because we're going to get spotlights on the on this sign of Ruben, we're going to walk over to another bar over by, um, over by the, I can't remember. It was it was I'm trying to think what's there now. I don't. I'm, I'm too old now to know. But it was right around the corner from Liquid or whatever else. And he's like, hey, after we have a couple, let's walk Ruben over there to show him the sign. I go, okay, cool, you know, whatever. So I bring my roommate. We hang out. It's good. Ruben, Ruben was the best. I can't tell all the stories um, about going out with Ruben. But finally, around 9.30, no, it was halftime of the Monday night game. So whatever, you know, 10.30 or whatever. The handler kind of whispers a text to me, Dre, let's get him to go to another bar, talk him to it. We'll walk him over there with everybody, and we'll get a picture of his surprise when he sees the sign-up. So my roommate, I tell my roommate, my roommate's like, I ain't going nowhere. I got a good seat. I'm trying to watch the football game. And I'm like, hey, asshole. And I hope he listens to this because he is an asshole. I'm like, just play along and go with this. They made us, you know, Ruben's got a new sign up on the side of a building. It's a big deal. He just went over a thousand yards. Just play along. So we walk over to said building and Ruben's like happy and smiling. And, and the, the, the entourage of people are all like, oh, man, that's awesome. That is so sweet. You know, like, congratulations, Ruben. That's great. You're such a good guy. You're so good for Cleveland. And my roommate, out of all people, looks at the sign, he's standing next to Ruben and I, he looks at Ruben and goes, damn, that's, a, that's as big as a sign I can get you? He goes, that's so damn small, I can barely even see it. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and the handler's head goes down to his hands. Ruben looks at me, he looks at my, my roommate and goes, damn, homie, you right, man, that's as big as y'all can get? <laughs> you had to be there to see just the disappointment in Ruben's face. And the disappointment in the handler's face. He thought he had just did like a million dollar thing for Ruben. And all it took was my asshole roommate, who I love dearly, and there's no one like him. My, my former roommate, who just he busted the bubble zack in three seconds. He was like, that's how big it is? That's it? And literally, as that happened, Ruben put his head down and was like, yeah, you're right. We walked into another bar, and Ruben just kind of went, anybody want shots? <laughs> <laughs> So every time I drove by that, that poster that they put up on the side of a wall for Ruben, I would just shake my head and go, well, that's your Cleveland Browns starting running back, y'all. Let, let me ask Ruben you Ruben did, did he? Did Ruben have an incident at that strip club in Brunswick, or was it another player that got in trouble there and everybody just knew Ruben hung out there? <laughs> yeah. 
I think the latter. I mean, he, okay. Yeah, he hung out there a lot. But yes, there was another player that got into something, and we all just. It's, Ruben, hey man, Ruben was, and I'm not trying to put him out there. Ruben taught me something in my 20s that I like. He would he would show up in, the, in practice, and the next day on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and I would look at him and go, "How the hell are you able to do? How do you function?" Like, because he could go out on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and I mean, go harder than anybody else. And he'd be at practice running around, jumping around, and my eyes would be bloodshot. I could barely drive to practice without getting a Gatorade. And I wasn't playing, Zach. <laughs> you know what it was like back then. Well, like, I knew, would limp in. Up. Yeah, everybody knew that a lot of people were going out with Johnny Manziel. It's just the other ones had their ass in the weight room at 6 o'clock the next morning, and Johnny had to be woken right. up at 9. Right. Right. And that's how you lose respect, right? Because yeah. all the guys are doing it. Right, I, got, I got two minutes, and I, I got to get out of here. Two things uh, as we go. On March 30th, 2005, the Broncos traded Ruben Drones to the Browns for defensive lineman Michael Myers and Ebenezer Ekubon. Ekubon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a name. I know he Ekubon from North Carolina. Absolutely. I remember. Right. Uh, right. Speaking of, of Ruben's records and, and uh, running backs, um, Nick Chubb right now has recorded at least 75 yards scrimmage yards in nine consecutive games, the longest active streak in the NFL, and the longest streak by a Brown since Ernest Biner 34 wow. years ago. Chubb's 1,011 wow. rushing yards are the eighth most by a Brown through 10 games of a season. And he's averaging 101 a game, the most by a Brown since a guy named Jim Brown averaged 103 in his final season. Mm. The guy's a mm. beast. He's really I'm gonna call it. Really I'm going to call it now. He's going for 200 this week. I know I was I told everybody to quit saying this game is going to be easy. I smell 200. And as a right, like, I, I, I just smell 200. I, I, I smell it. I sense it. And um, it'll be awesome because the kid deserves it. He, I, I said, I said this in our last podcast, and, and, but, and I tweeted this during the game last week. At some point in time, and I know what's sexy and what sells tickets, but there's nothing wrong with the Cleveland Browns PR staff and the Cleveland Browns as a whole found a way to sell Nick Chubb a little bit more and make him what well, they're about for a different not, podcast. Not the guy refuses to do interviews. So it is I get it. it is. I, hey, but the, <laughs> you know? hey, I know, but Hey, Zach in 2019, almost 2020, you don't have to say a lot to get it out there. If the team does it the right way, Nick Chubb, listen to me. If Ruben drones had a handler, you can have somebody handle your social media for you. Get it Bingo. Out Bingo. Right. Bingo. <laughs> if they, if they showed, if, if, if they showed that picture of him in high school running track, <laughs> like, that should just be Don't that picture be should be seen once right. a week. This podcast is over before you give my story ideas away anymore. Shout out American Fireworks. Oh! Shout out Cleveland Whiskey. <laughs> Shout out Honeymoon Grill. Shout out Scene. Shout out you guys. Um, it's almost Friday, so we'll talk to you Monday. Kenichiwa. Hulu. Hey, hey, we, we haven't got the NBA talk or college basketball talk, and we're going to be over. Shout out to Brody Jackson on his birthday, and hopefully they won one game since he's uh, turned whatever he's turned. Um, and shout out to the King. Uh, I know we don't do this very often and basketball is watered down, but I watched a great game last night with the Clippers. Um, they're one of the only teams I like watching Clippers and Celtics played a great game last night, but I say shout out to the King and there's no jokes with it. Um, to have 30 triple doubles, have one against every team in the NBA. The first two that there's something to it. And, uh, and I'll give him credit. I know it's, he's, he's a November champ. That's like being a champion. It's like being all Berea. Um, but it, it says something that he's playing the way he's playing right now. <laughs> That's absolutely an, an amazing and astounding accomplishment. It really is. A it really is. Against every team and, in the league.
Sorry, Cleveland. Just how it works sometimes. But I won't tell you more of Zach's stories. Thank you guys for everything. Um, NFL Films, Roger Goodell, stand up. Let us know what really happened. I know you won't, but I'll ask. Talk to you soon.